Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 62. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, uh, dietitian Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about legacy. Why Why am I the dietitian? Is it because I lost so much weight being well, heard, in the hospital for two weeks? I heard you're at least a quarter pound lighter than last time we podcasted, yeah. I am way like It's not even funny how much weight you lose not eating any food and having surgery. So do you I want, do you want highly to highly recommend it for weight loss. Do you want to tell our fans about your elective surgery or no? Yeah, so uh, I wasn't really able after we had the rollerblading episode, I, I just <laughs> I got I got the hankering to put my blades back on and just things weren't really the way that I remember them. So I had some <laughs> elective uh, glute and abdominal surgery to really <laughs> to really get moving again. No, actually, so this is this is a great story because, uh, yeah, it's a great story. I'll tell it. So I thought I had a stomach flu for like a week and my wife was riding me like we're moving. So there's just so much stuff to do. I was like trying to sleep in a little bit because I, I thought I had like a stomach flu. I wasn't really sleeping at night because because uh, I was just like in pain. And the whole time she's like, it's not that bad. Get up with the kid. <laughs> We got to pack, we got to clean, we got to move. And I went through like a week of this until I had two nights where literally I couldn't sleep. I was laying on my kitchen floor just in pain, thinking I had like an ulcer or something. Were you and drinking? I, no, no, I didn't. No, not really eating any solid food, not Ooh. drinking. And uh, finally, I decided to, to go to the ER in the morning after I talked to my primary care. And they operated on me in within four hours of being there. My appendix had ruptured, but not fully burst. It was gangrenous, and I had an internal ab- abdominal infection. So, like, it, it was it was, it was was gross, and it was bad. But after the surgery, I felt so much better that they sent me home a day later. And here's where I learned a lot about diabetes. I went into shock... Uh, sorry, I went into ketoacidosis when they sent me home, even though my blood sugars weren't high. Most people won't really understand what that means, but basically, my body wasn't getting enough insulin, but my blood sugar wasn't showing it. So I ended up having to go back to the hospital, but they didn't know what was wrong with me. They thought it was like a secondary infection because all of the symptoms of all of these things, they were all the same. I was like, all right, that abdominal pain is back. So they didn't start to treat me for it. Until my primary care came to the hospital and was like, yo, you need to listen. You're treating him for the wrong thing. And I ended up being back in the hospital for another four or five days. It was fucking brutal. And now I just had abdominal surgery. They're like, listen, you can't lift anything. And I'm fucking fucking moving. So now I got to figure out we had to hire movers and it's a bunch of extra money because I I can't lift anything because I don't want to like rip. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So that's my life. I'm moving everything I own into the new house. We, oh, this is another funny story. We got locked out of the new house. They didn't give us the keys for it. So we had electricians in redoing the wiring because uh, there was some old wiring in the attic and they locked the doors on the way out. We go to move stuff in, try the key. Key doesn't fucking work. The realtor didn't give us all of the keys to the house and we were locked out of our new house on the first day. So I imagine you got in now? Yeah. Uh, electrician came back, snuck through the second floor window, 
We had a uh, locksmith rekey it after it wasn't the weekend. So now we're good. And, uh, and grad school started back up again. So I was in class today and school's back. I just, I have so much stuff going on. It's crazy. Jesus. So yeah, our listeners, we have a pretty informed, I would say pretty educated listener base, but people who don't know, like DKA is basically, they call it diabetic shock, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's like, uh, if you've ever done like a serious keto diet, like ketogenic, it, it's like basically when you have no sugars left, right? Like you're, you're straight up well, no, on ketones. No, it like, yes. Your body sort of starts to break itself down and your blood goes acidotic. Exactly. And I, I was in that for like probably about a day without getting treated while they just gave me antibiotics. And uh, it could have gotten really bad if my doctor didn't get a new treatment plan. So was did uh, Huey come visit you at the hospital again or no? No, no. Uh, uh, I don't want to tell that story, but yeah, Huey check, was not back at the hospital. That check's been cashed already. Yes, that was that was my my uh yeah, Pro Tour New York DKA story. <laughs> All right. Wow, man. So that's that's pretty eventful. Do you have time to fantasy draft? Yeah, and you know, I guess I lived under a rock this summer <laughs> and this happened uh before before Ezekiel Elliott was signed, but I drafted Ezekiel Elliott and Antonio Brown in one league, <laughs> not knowing that Ezekiel didn't have a contract yet. And I was like, why do you slip all this all this all this way down. And now I have Ezekiel Elliott and Antonio Brown on the team. Yeah, and now you're really sitting happy. pretty. Jesus yep. Christ. Wow, all's well that ends well, I guess. Yep. Better lucky than good. My old boss say it all comes out in the wash. I like that expression. Okay. Yeah, that's a good expression. So yeah, uh we haven't casted together in probably like a month or two, probably. Or Three weeks. It, it seems it seems like it seems like forever. But it's been a while, we had yeah. we had Labor Day off. We had the real Tom on the episode before, which was outstanding, by the way. Oh yeah, you got a chance to listen to that? I did. I did. I thoroughly nice. enjoyed it. <laughs> so yeah, we uh my life since then has been a you know, kinda of like a blur of country clubs and cocaine. It's it's mostly just like the uh the summer life, I guess fancy football drafts and you know just just living the dream but yeah i have what i haven't done though over the past couple weeks is play a lot of legacy and i kind of i feel like i have a a bit of imposter syndrome man coming into this cast because we had the legacy format playoffs this past weekend and i don't really have a good excuse i mean it was my anniversary uh the sixth but that's a that's a pretty good excuse other than that, I don't really have a good excuse for why I didn't play in this format playoff, and why I haven't played like a lot of legacy leagues lately. You know, like I haven't, I really haven't queued up lately, and uh, I don't know, man. Like we have this this quarterly to talk about, but I, I kind of wanted to jump in if you if you like this topic. I kind of wanted to jump into like the format health topic because I saw a couple people spinning some stuff today, like kicking around on on Twitter and such, just uh, just a general like health of legacy right now. I want to get your opinion on that. Yeah, no, we can definitely do that. I actually got to play a little bit of legacy while I was in the hospital. And oh, yeah? I, I'm helping my buddy JT 
test for Syracuse because I'm not going to be able to go because it's our move weekend. But I'm lending him some cards so he can go. So I've been playing. I've been actually playing a little more Legacy lately, even though things are super busy. So is he go D and T or what? No, I think he's gonna he's gonna borrow sneak and show. He's okay. still hammering out the few a few last spots for what he feels comfortable with, but very similar to the list that we ran in Niagara. Okay. So what's what's your uh, what's your opinion then? Uh, my opinion is that Delver is still going to be rough, and the SCG is probably going to be loaded with it. And if he he feels very strongly about not playing Death and Taxes, I'm a little bit leaning more toward the it's probably not going to be that bad side of it. But mm. he felt like with little experience in the format and the deck that he has experience with, in his in his opinion, not being super well positioned, that Sneak and Show was going to be the best or the best positioned combo deck to go with. I would definitely believe that, yeah. So, uh, basically, he didn't want to play Depths, which probably would have been my recommendation. I'm not sure what version of it I would recommend, but I feel like I feel like Depths is really strong right now, and if you aren't going to play that, then Sneak and Show is probably an okay option. Yeah, I think Sneak and Show might have been my recommendation for what he should play this tournament. And I mean, you can never really be very wrong with sneak and show, right? Yeah, I mean, you can you can run it into a field loaded with Rug Delver and Grixis Delver, and that probably wouldn't be great. And if the meta of Syracuse lines up with what we saw in the format playoffs, then oh man, yeah. is is sneak and show probably not the choice for you? So I I saw the list that got posted that we're going to definitely talk about tonight. But if I were JT, I would be rethinking my decisions. Yeah, that is a good point. There is a lot of Delver in this in this top 16 from the format challenge, or the format playoff, I should say. But I think that uh, overall, like just looking at Legacy, at, at the, the overall picture of it, I don't think that really you can be too wrong because I feel like it, it's very cyclical right now. And... We've talked about like having a healthy triangle or a healthy square of the format where like, you know, one deck preys on another, preys on another in a sort of like a snake eating its tail fashion. And then other decks can come in and attack those from from angles that prey on two of the three, right? Yep. And that's like sort of like your picture for a healthy format. And I mean, this might actually be a healthy format where you've sort of got Grizzlebrand, Chalice, and Delver at the poles and then sort of Hogak preying on the Delver side and, you know, your, your sort of Grixis decks preying on the combo side. But I just, I haven't like really found this format to be incredibly enjoyable. And I think it, I think it's Ren where I expected it to be Grizzlebrand being, being what was really overpowering the format post London Mulligan. I think that Depths has actually picked up a lot of that slack as a good deck. Uh, Ant has obviously come back into the picture, and I I just feel like having Ren as like this bomb that comes down and is such an incremental advantage engine and can just put a roof on the format where 
you're going to be stuck at two lands. Like this was always sort of the rug delver trick, right? Is like to keep them stuck on turn one and two of the game for the whole game. But Ren just like, you can actually advance your own board past turn one and two while keeping them at that stage. So it just snowballs into like a insurmountable. If you don't have abrupt decay exactly now, you know, you're not coming back from this. And sort of the other decks, like like the Chalice decks, are, are very focused right now on just slamming Haymakers before that Ren stage where it's like, you know, Chalice into Blood Moon or Turbo Karn. I saw like Best of Service deck from the uh, the 5-0 dump that, that's just straight Turbo Karn, like playing four Lions Eye Diamonds in the main, just trying to Karn lock people as fast as possible. And, you know, that that's that's pretty scary. And... Hopefully that's not what the format is, where you kind of either have to play eight or more basics, or Delver, or Fast Combo, or just be slamming Haymakers, right? Well, I guess that's kind of been the format that we've been in for a while, right? Yeah, I'm trying to trace the origins. You're either going to play Delver, or some sort of Fast Combo, or some sort of Prison. Now, it hasn't been, I guess, this polarized. Uh one of those one of those mentality things where you were talking about earlier you expected Grizzlebrand to be that thing that just sort of uh oppressed the format. Yeah. But the games where Grizzlebrand resolves, they're over quick and you just sort of write them off and mentally Right. You just sort of write it off as oh it's a stupid card, I got Grizzlebranded. But with Ren, the Ren sticks and the game the game plays on for so much longer than it would if there was a Grizzlebrand that was resolved, that Ren has more of like a like a mental effect on your perception of what's going on because you're dealing with it for more turns. Maybe I'm just overanalyzing it. No, that's a good I, point. That's a very good point. I feel I feel like that's what, what happens a lot with the Ren decks where it sticks and you're like, alright, maybe I can come back from this. But ten turns later you realize that you're just getting outvalued and you can't do anything. Yeah, a lot of times it'll be like, okay, well, I can go fetch land into Underground Sea and cast a Gurmag Angler, and they if they don't have anything to deal with that, then I'm, you know, back in this game. Like, you'll, you'll technically still have outs, right? Even though you're, you might even be locked with no lands, right? Yeah. But, but you really don't have outs, because they surely have the days or something, right? But, yeah, maybe people just aren't scooping, or I'm not scooping early enough, you know, when I play against that deck, but... It does. It really does feel like uh, kind of unfair for a deck like Rug Delver to have a two mana advantage engine like that, right? Right, and it really comes down to the number of basics that you can play, because obviously you can get. Uh, and the new versions of Rug Delver aren't playing Stifle, but the old versions, you were getting your first few Stifled, then you were getting some lands wasted, but now it, it's really just a Ren and Six deck. Where all your non-basics are going to die. You cannot rely on them at all. And if you're playing a greedy mana base, I mean, you kind of deserve to get locked underneath it. Now, these versions of Rug, again, aren't playing Stifle. Their curve is a little higher. But uh, they're more Rug value decks than what you would traditionally consider Rug Delver. A little bit higher up on the curve. Yeah, for sure. And... I, I really like it. seems like it's been adopted now to play less than four Arcanist, which was always sort of my beef was, you know, Arcanist isn't exactly like uh, something like Gurmag where it's, you know, so bad to have two in your opening hand because you're, 
your first one's amazing and your second one, you know, your, your first one's directly eating off your first one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that the, the threat base right now with, you know, a few, you know, two or three Arcanists and then now Hex Drinkers really being incorporated. We see, uh, Jarvis came in first and he was playing one Hex Drinker, but all the other, uh, rug decks that top eight had, had at least two Hex Drinkers. And I think two is a great number because Hex Drinkers a lot is, is almost in that same pseudo legendary class where you can't pump two Hex Drinkers at once. So you really just want to draw one of them, right? Yeah, it feels like it feels like Gurmag Angler, yep. where the second one is is much less effective. Yeah, but it's, it, it can just draw out. I guess draw out removal if if you if you want it to. It can lightning yep. rod, but that it it's sort of it's sort of the same in the same vein as multiple Arcanists. Like obviously, playing more of them is good because you need your opponent to use their removal on your first one, which makes your second one better. But, I mean, the threat base for this deck just stretches removal, especially with all the soft counter magic. Yeah, for sure. So, like, thinking back, you know, that Grand Prix we went to in Niagara, I really liked the format at that point in time. I actually didn't really have a deck that I was terribly high on, just due to where I was in my preparation process when that Grand Prix came around. Yep. But... I really liked that format. I'm trying to figure out if it was the introduction of War of the Spark that that sort of set things off balance, or if it was Modern Horizons and Ren, which which seems to be right now the biggest sort of offender of of you know what what I consider proper legacy, I guess. But uh, yeah, we're we're in a new world where proper legacy are these very high impact new cards that are being released, yeah. and I think that. I think that if there wasn't Modern Horizons, we would have settled back down now from Narset and New Teferi, and we probably would have been back to a very similar spot to where we were around Niagara. But Modern Horizons just had uh, Red and Six and Plague Engineer are so impactful yeah. that we're just we're in a new world now. Yeah, I, I really wonder about that. You know, War didn't have that long to run. I don't know how many weeks it had before Horizons came out, really. But we didn't really settle after that. And, and I do wonder, you know, what it would have come to. Like, we, we had a few challenges that were, like, you know, eight out of the top eight were playing either Karn or Narset. But then it sort of calmed down from there, you know. It, it seemed like it, we were going to a different place. And then, you know, we can't forget about Hogak coming in because Hogak is really a big check on the dollar decks right now. Yeah, and I don't have a ton of experience playing against Hogak in Legacy. But I I can definitely see how that deck play preys on Delver. But again, and, uh, rug rug Delver is such a such a flexible deck with the way that it's built now, with so much counter magic that I mean y- you need your Hogak to resolve still, or you just cast it again next turn. Okay. Sure, like if you have a dredge engine going, yeah, for sure. But a lot of the times, you're you're playing out your bodies to fill the graveyard, and you have one shot. You know what I mean? Like you're you're dredging. Sorry, you're uh, delving quite a bit. Yeah, I know it's been a big problem too for like the the Grixis control decks actually, because unless you're willing to go all the way to, to playing Caracas in your 
in your three to four color not white deck, then and even if you do go that direction, you know, you're you're first of all you're giving up so much equity in your other matchups, but also you know, like to, to put like a crop rotation Caracas package. I know that's actually what Tom is doing now. Uh, our, our buddy Tom, who uh, I'd like to thank for being on the last episode, he's gone that direction. But you know, it's it's just a back and forth of whether he plays against it or not, and then he pulls he pulls that out of his sideboard. And I feel like that's sort of the position that control decks are in right now, being stretched too thin between trying to fight these hyper efficient battles. And these go over the top battles and still be good against combo, right? Right. I I, th- I feel like those decks, what they're missing right now is clock, and yeah. you can have all of those value creatures that you want, right? And they're going to be great in certain matchups, but when you need to be able to pressure, that deck is just really bad at doing it. And that's not that's not a this is a product of the format now. That's like a structural structural deficit of those four color control decks is that they just don't clock very efficiently. Yeah. So. And I do like you know like what Tom is doing, and I've I've sort of been working with him on this is is really pretty awesome with you know playing Green Sun to being able to get like a single Tarmogoyf out of your deck to clock when you need it. It's still not as good of a clock as Tarmogoyf coming down on two, right? But it is it is something, right? And uh, you know, to to have ta- uh, scavenging ooze and snowman and Leovald available as like a green sun package, I think is pretty good. And I actually that is the way that I would go with that deck right now if I were going to be playing it. But it just seems like that you know I, I don't think he did terribly well this weekend. He played in the the mocks and the uh, format playoff, and yeah, it, it just seems like a very uphill battle. Like, you know, taking on water in all directions. Yeah, and I like I like the idea of Scoos, but when I meant by clock, man, the Hogek decks really control the ground. There's enough ground control to where Tarmogoyf isn't really going to clock. It's going to get chump blocked. Yeah. And once a Hogek comes down, you're you're not doing anything on the ground. You really need to clock that deck with Delvers. And that's obviously that deck has a very good matchup against Delver. But I would much rather be in a Delver spot rather than a four-color control deck spot against Hogak. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's sort of that's where I'm feeling. Like I, I, it sucks to be in this spot where I just keep playing M20 Limited and try not to fall off the first page of the trophy leaderboard. Yeah, but, but like you, your pot committed now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have so many trophies that you're just going to ride it out until the end. Every every single listener already knows that. Bro, it's so a fucking battle. It, you don't I have to realize. you don't Yeah, you don't have to apologize for that. It's it's a battle. Like I've never been I had 20 trophies in Ixalan and I I had some some team number. Uh, it was over 12 cuz I got the prestige avatar, but I don't know, some number in War of the Spark. But I've never been like you know actually battling for for trophy place in a limited format, mm-hmm. dude. It, it's vicious. Like the the scoop offers that you get and stuff. People people take it seriously, even though there's no fucking reason to take it seriously it's, at all. It's pride. I I was only able to do it on school vacation weeks when I didn't have anything to do and I could wake up in the morning and I could just jam. Like it was great before I had my kid. 
Yeah. And obviously I'm not blaming my kid for this, but <laughs> now now even even if I have school vacation, I don't have a ton of time to play. I um, gotta go to the hospital to find fucking time to play magic. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, that that sucks, but I mean, you got a beautiful kid, so you got that going for you. He's the best. Yep. James, dude, I I blanked real hard. I almost said William. <laughs> That's, no, uh, it's it's definitely Kramer's James, son. and like he's gonna be cool. better than me at every game. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I can't wait for it. Bro, speaking of games, you've been playing WoW. Okay, no, I can't say it because we're gonna lose patrons. I can't say what. I can't say that I have been playing. So all all my friends I used to play with got together <laughs> and started playing vanilla WoW again. Uh, I'm not gonna say what level I am. But yes, I'm playing again. Does it cap at 60? Like yeah, it, it, caps, it, it caps at 60. So you're obviously... How, the question is, how many 60s do you have? No, 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 no. It's so slow. The leveling is so slow. I'm, why? Why? Yeah. Uh, because the pace of the game back then was sort of made to make leveling the main experience. Oh. So when you're talking about the minimum time it takes to get to level 60... You're kind of talking somewhere somewhere north of a hundred hours of played time. So wait, what, was there like a over time while it was still vanilla, like before Burning Crusade? Were there like modifications that were done? Because I remember you could get to sixty in like forty hours played by the end of vanilla. Uh, the fastest zero to sixty level in vanilla is more than four days of played time. That's a speed run. Wow. Yeah. So there were changes closer to BC where they uh, they increased like monster experience and they they added new quests to make everything a little bit more compact to make it easier. Yeah. But at the beginning, it was one hundred percent a grind. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that because I came in like weeks before BC. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I I've I only have a little bit of played time, so we'll see. What what kind of character? I made a mage. I'm not going to tank anymore. I don't have fucking time for that. <laughs> uh, just give me. I'm going to be a dumbass DPS, and yeah. Cool man. Yep. So yeah, did you see any of the spoilers? By the way, the, I uh, did. I saw the stupid green creature with a text box bigger than should fit on a card. Bro, like, I it's fucking hate way, that ability. Way too many words. Yeah, I saw the the green cast for free. Super impulse for a land. Yeah, that's sweet. That card was nice. I like and that. And I saw I saw the black tutor artifact that your opponent gets, but like yeah. it doesn't matter that your opponent gets it when you use it because you tap it and they just fucking die right there. Yeah, so, or you can you, like sack it. You know, like you can do sort of topish tricks with it because it's not part of the cost for your opponent to gain control of it. So you yeah, can, but you you, can you tap it. it as an activation, right? Right. And they gain control of it, but it's tapped, so they can't use it after. Right, but I mean, also, so first of all, you, if you're in a deck like, a, you know, a pure combo deck, like, you're getting, you're going to kill them that turn, right? Right. But if you're using it in, like, a, let's say, like, a, like a Karn Prison deck or something, first of all, Karn will keep them from activating it because it's an artifact. But second of all, if you have some sort of way to sacrifice it, like, if you're in some sort of, like, a Metalworker deck or something... Oh, you, you can, can put the trigger on the stack. Exactly. Yeah, I, I got you. 
Yeah, so there's all sorts of shenanigans, I think, with that. I think that that's a very abusable card and definitely worth, you know, consideration. Is it black to activate or, or just It's a colorless to activate. Okay. Yeah, so it's uh, one black one and then one tap uh, as a sorcery speed, I believe. Gotcha. Yeah, that's definitely worth keeping in mind. But there's also this blue, sort of like a gainsay, but it's a single blue to mana leak a blue spell. Not not an instant or sorcery, but just... Oh, yeah, it costs it costs two and a blue to mana leak, but if it's targets a blue spell, it's one blue. Exactly, yeah. It, was that card called Gainsay? The one that uh, was... So Gainsay was one and a blue, counter a blue spell. Right, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was another card that did something similar to... F- that costs two and a blue and had Metalcraft, and it countered a spell unless they paid four. Yeah. Do you, do you remember that card? Yeah, it's like Metallurgic something. Okay, I don't remember the card name, but there have been many similar effects where it's like an overcosted mana leak, but you get a reduced cost if something happens. Like there was one if you had a pirate, you got to do something. It was in standard. Yeah. Fuck, if you, man, there's if so you many can, cards. Yeah. I mean, we're we're in a world now where there's like tens of thousands of I mean, magic there's just, cards. There's Stubborn Denial, right? Which was Which was always played, one like, blue. Shadow decks, yeah. Yep. But it was either a force spike or just a counter spell, but it was just for spells. Yeah, it, it doesn't hit creatures. Yep. Does not hit creatures. But yeah, the uh this one I would have I would have said it was playable a while ago. For sure, but it seems like the format's less blue now. And I was just looking at some analysis when I was doing the show notes that the since uh, in the current format, right, like as it's constituted, ignoring Commander, I don't know if the new Commander's out yet or not, but it doesn't seem to have much impact. But the format, you know, post Horizons has been fifty nine percent blue decks, which mm-hmm. is a lot, a lot lower, about ten percent lower than than the lowest I'd seen previously. I think like 69% was the lowest I'd seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So and it seems unlikely this card would, would really push in with this meta, right? I mean, I I would say that it wouldn't really be something that's, uh, that's needed. Right. Sorry, that's going to make a super big impact either, just because of efficiency when you're not playing blue. I mean, that card is just trash. Um, it, especially with like Veil of Summer, like the cards I'm thinking about now more are like Mind Break Trap, you know, like Exile, the spell, like you know, stuff mm-hmm. that sort of gets around that rather than than like taxing, you know, sort of sort of like taxing spells, like uh, Spell Pierce, Mana Leak, that sort of thing. Yep. But yeah, that that card that you were talking about, that fucking four four for four with haste, death touch, and questing, vigilance, death touch, haste. Yeah. Can't be blocked by creatures power two or less. I hate that ability. Combat damage. Like, it's got four completely different blocks of rules text. And it's a legendary creature, even though it's not named. Like, it's a beast, but it's a questing beast. So there can <sighs> you can only have like one beast going on a quest at a time until it dies. <laughs> and then you could have more beasts to go on quests, but but this is a legendary creature. It's, it it's just weird. It's for... weird. What's that? Do they ran out of names, like unique names to name things? 
I'm yeah. Wor- I used to worry or, about that happening. Or for too. some reason, they were they were worried about having a board with multiples of these. So they're like, just make it legendary, but they never changed the flavor. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably actually what happened. So. That ability, I fucking hate that ability. That reminds me of when Den Protector and Deathmiss Raptor were going on. Yep. Like that, I remember that, that. pseudo Skulk. Like, I don't know if Skulk was tied to the creature's power or if it just meant couldn't be like chump blocked by ones. I never really remembered what Skulk was. I think that's why they sort of sunset that ability. But it's it's like so awkward to remember on a board that this creature can't be chump blocked, you know? I yeah, wish... I mean, like, <sighs> the more rules text you put in a card, the more likely you are to forget something about it. But the flavor of this set, I'm really digging it. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't know about food. I'm not I'm not sure about make a food. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe there would have been a better way of going about that, but some of these value cards that you can flashback as creatures later, uh just it just seem like they're gonna make the game make the game great. So well, I'm really looking forward to my vegan opponents taking the opportunity of playing a food token to tell me about veganism. Okay. Um that's uh, that's gonna be sweet. <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, I was a vegan for a little bit. Really? I was on... Okay, so I wouldn't say it was, like, philosophical, but my doctor got me to go on a whole foods plant-based diet, which was a vegan diet, but really was for, like, health purposes. And I was whole foods plant-based for, like, three and a half months, and it was awesome. But then my fat piece of shit ass was like, I can't go another week without a fucking cheeseburger and a steak and i completely <laughs> fell off the wagon so yeah i have a lot of questions about this but did did you feel better no because i was still drinking so like all of that shit that you do to like eat better if you're still drinking massive amounts of alcohol it's not really going to help you right okay. it's be- it's probably better than if you were eating a regular diet, but yeah. The only thing, like, I I have had four drinks since I've got out of the hospital, and the only reason why I had four was our real estate agent took us out after we got the keys to the house, and, uh... Yeah, get yeah. your value out of it. Yeah, well, no, he, I think he, he just wanted, he wanted to celebrate with us. We got a house. Uh, he was really excited for us, and, Sweet. uh... Yeah, he got he got us some drinks. So that's awesome. <sighs> yeah, congrats on the house, by the way. Oh, I can't wait to move in. I like it's just it's great. We've I'm broke. I've spent so much fucking money. It's not I don't yeah, it's expensive, but I'm super happy. So you you didn't have to sell any cards, right? Uh, I sold a few. Uh, it turns out oh. that I didn't have to. So I sold my library. Uh, I got quite a bit of money for it. And Sweet. it turns out I'm probably going to have enough money in my bank account to not have to sell anything else. But it was really close with everything that we had to pay for. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Going. going yeah. I'm broke now. So what was your experience dealing with the market? Or like selling your library? Uh... I announced it and I sold it half an hour later 
Somebody asked me to hold it until Monday. I held held it until Monday. It was gone and out the door that day. So super easy. I priced it uh, to sell. So it was uh, HP MP library. I sold it for seven fifty. I probably could have got it a little bit more for it, but I sold it to somebody who I knew who was pretty good. And uh, I'm glad to see it be in play by somebody who I know. Yeah, that's a good price. So, yeah, it was really easy. There's a really high demand for that card. Like, I mean, I'm sure you know about it, but it's not like there's any CE or anything for libraries. So yep. people need, people need them. It's not banned in any of the old school formats. So a lot of people need one library as a gateway. And HPMP library is like that sweet spot. So yep. like Chaos Orb has the same thing going on. Mm-hmm. I can I can see that. There's been a, like a big softening in some of the high end cards though. Like uh, uh, my buddy Kramer got a rock hydra, like a fucking near mint alpha rock hydra yesterday for two twelve. Yeah, but like okay, so when you say there's a softening of the market for high end cards, <laughs> right? It's a yeah. fucking rock hydra, like it's on the reserve list. Sure, okay, it's on the reserve list. It's alpha. It's super scarce. Yeah. But who the fuck ever needs a rock hydra? When you say, when you a make a comment hydra, like that, right? I need a rock hydra. When you're like these high-end cards. When you think <laughs> high-end cards, you think like vintage staples. And the market has not really been softening for those cards. So yeah, the price of Alpha Northern Paladin and Beta Tomes is probably softening a little bit. Yeah, it but is. go go try to find an Ancestral and tell me the market's softening. Okay, that's fair. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, I think I th- I don't want to say that there's a little bit of a bubble with some old school cards, but there are some old school cards that are just trash. And yes, they are old, and yes, they are on the reserve list, and you are never going to find a reprint of Alpha Unsummon. Unless, yeah. I, the reason why I use that is I have like 20 of them that I'm, I'm looking to move. But uh, it's it's just cards like that that probably aren't a good spot to be. So you're saying I should sell my pyramids? Yeah, I think uh, I think you should kick that down the pyramid to find somebody else. Or is that, is that like was an expression? Calling it a pyramid scheme to oh, invest in pyramids. I, like I, I was like making a, making a little reference there. You can call it multi-level marketing. I think that's the key word that they use now. You want to buy makeup, see, makeup and beauty products from people you're your Facebook friends with? I don't know what you're talking about now. Oh. All right. You, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Dude, though, who sold the airport to the uh, to the bank? The the Nigerian scammer guy who sold a a fake airport for like two hundred million pounds. No. Yeah. How do, how did I not know about this? Like, is there a scammer hall of fame? Because yeah. that guy should be in it. So that the article I read was like the twenty year anniversary of like the, the biggest scam of all time. This was fucking sick, bro. You should check, definitely check it out. I'll send you the link. But awesome. Well, I mean, the biggest scam of all time is fractional reserve banking. So like, let's <laughs> let's just let's just call it how it actually is. Fair enough. Uh, oh, people! People reserve. on Twitter. People on Twitter wanted to hear our uncensored reactions toward Brexit. Oh, you want to weigh in? Wait, what? I'm just saying, our our Twitter, I, I might have had like fever visions when I was in the hospital, but I remember seeing a tweet. Oh, by the way, Magic Twitter is fucking trash. It's I was the in worst. the hospital on my phone looking at Magic Twitter, 
and it was worse than being in the hospital after having surgery. Yeah. So fuck, fuck Magic Twitter and everything about it. It's the worst thing in the world. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> is there anything that could get us in more trouble than Brexit? Talking about Brexit. No, I have like a very reasonable take on it. I think. Let's I don't hear. Know. Let's hear. Okay, I, there's a lot okay. better chance that your opinion won't get us in trouble. So let's okay, so I I understand the reason why Britain wants to Brexit, uh, keeping their sovereignty as a nation and being able to control what happens in their government is yeah. that's that's something that's something that you can definitely get behind. However. In this world today, where you're dealing with global economics, I feel like the downside of pulling out of free trade with Europe is going to cost their country more than the increase that they're going to get back in their sovereignty. And if you look at everything in this world based off of GDP growth and employment for your country, they're they're theoretically going to get what they want with the ability to to get a little bit of that governance back themselves but they're going to shoot themselves in the foot economically and it's not going to be better for their people so what we're sort of moving in this global economic direction to where everything is becoming more and more interconnected and even though we see the u.s china trade wars i i feel like we're moving away from that and everything is becoming more global so i understand the philosophical reasons behind brexit but i don't think it's going to be good for britain I think that's yeah. a completely reasonable take. Oh, yeah, that is that is a very reasonable take. So, they had a vote, right? They, they had a referendum. And they voted to Brexit. So, do you think that the citizens of, of, uh, of Britain were just not aware that it was a bad economic decision? Or do you think that they cared about things other than their, their GDP? I I think that they weren't fully aware the scale of how bad it would be economically. And I think most people were voting with their hearts against other non-economic issues. And I don't maybe I can get in trouble by saying this, but like I think the average voter, the average voter isn't particularly well informed, at least in America, I feel that way. And the same is probably true in Britain. Well, I mean, that's certainly true all over the world. Okay. I, so I would, that, I would yeah. imagine. But I think that, that that's equal on, on both sides of the coin for, for the most part, that, that you have uninformed voters on, on either side of the issue. So I, I would say that cancels each other out for the most part. A lot of Brexit voters that, that I've talked to personally have acknowledged that they're going to take a hit in GDP. You know, that's part of it. I mean, there are economic reasons to Brexit, though. You know, not having your your currency, being able to do what you want with your currency, right? Like not, not being beholden to, because Germany is just a larger economy, right? So what they want in terms of import-export costs, et cetera, like, you know, their, their sort of tariff, like, uh, negotiations. I don't know what the, what the positive word for tariffing would be, but like their sort of trade agreements with other mm-hmm. countries are going to reflect their interests more than the interests of other countries, right? If yeah, and if Britain, the larger Britain economy. Or England was in a little bit of a better, a better spot because they were in the Eurozone, but they didn't use the Euro. Right. And the countries that adopted the common currency are like 
they're kind of boned when it comes yeah, to those like, economic you know, with, decisions with, with their with their tourist economy versus you know a manufacturing or a, a sort of engineering economy right like you you have completely different interests and britain's not quite there but they're they're definitely more of sort of a banking economy right and like a it's like shopkeepers and bankers is what you think of right when you think of think of like london typically yeah and obviously we're being completely stereotypical yeah. but i think that if you actually look at the breakdown of the country's GDP, it probably leans heavily in that favor. Right. So. All right. So. So anyway, like we we just talked about Brexit. You continue your thoughts, but we well, we had a Twitter question about it. I don't know how much farther I can go without getting in trouble. So. We'll get us in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> Enough that we can pull ourselves out of it. But like, there's this fine line between saying something controversial that won't get you in a ton of trouble but will get people to listen i don't want to tell you to be like a like a right-wing radio host don't go alex jones but keep it keep it like a little tamer than med shapiro is that bro i wish i could do an alex jones impression right now but so yeah basically i was in new york the other day and there's a campaign to go to new hampshire like you know like the the advertising on on buses and stuff like go visit New Hampshire and it just said live free right not live free or die which is, would be the state motto but just live free right and right. i guess with so I was property to taxes twice as high as any other state yeah uh, anyway i yeah it's true but uh they have less taxes in other directions but basically there, so I was talking to my friend from New Hampshire about this at our famous football draft, and there's actually like a movement now to remove the or die from the state motto and just have it be New Hampshire live free. And I think that the live free or die is sort of a, a great recognition of this this core principle of life, right? Like sort of individual sovereignty. And like you have to, you know, Freedom is important, and I feel like if you don't deliver a hard Brexit that people voted for, then they don't have sovereignty anymore, right? Like you don't, you don't actually. If they don't have this, the representation in the European Union, which is how this all started, right? Like the not having representation in Brussels, the the sort of the original rallying cry, and you know not having control of their borders, and you know their their economic uh sovereignty i guess i don't want to use that word again but it's a good control word. of their economic destiny right they they just want to know that they have control and it's that like live sort of like that live free or die uh principle like they, right? they like, need to be able to make the choice to die is that what yeah, you're saying exactly Right. Okay. Like you, you you need to have that choice to yes, this might be cutting off my nose to spite my face, but that's what I want to do and that's what I'm going to do, right? Right. Like so, if I want to drive without a seatbelt on, exactly. that is my decision and I should be able to do it. Precisely. And I think that that's sort of where Britain is where if you don't deliver a hard Brexit, that you're not actually addressing like it you you might be able to address like you know, the, the Brussels issue, whether or not that'll actually, you know, play out. I don't know. I don't know the particulars of the European Union governance and when you elect an MP, you know, how that, how the voting in the, in the EU works and everything. But 
they're, they're just the next populace will come along and say, oh, we don't have representation in the European Union. It's just going to rear its head again, right? And it is sort of a, a city versus a rural issue, like a lot of what we see in the U.S. too. Like, I, I know that, that it was all London and Southeast voting Remain versus the rest of the country voting, you know, to Brexit and the rest of the country being the rural parts of the country. But I think you're going to end up with like a, basically like a cold civil war, right? I mean, they might already be there. I don't know, but. No, I don't, I don't think it's going to go that far. I think there's going to be a little, a little bit of a shock economically and that everything is going to sort of readjust. I don't know if we're going as far as civil war. I spend uh, a kind of a stupid amount of time actually thinking and discussing Brexit for, for being someone who literally shouldn't be affected by it at all. But my, my true opinion is that, that England should just be the 51st state, right? Like Airstrip 1, we, we just need to reunite. We need to end this 275 years of confusion, you know? Like a misunderstanding. We need to clear this all up. Get, get their statehood status. And uh, yeah, then we'll, we don't have to worry about buying Greenland because we'll have our base there. Well, and then we, then we get to absorb Canada. And we can just have a big country. And people who live in American Samoa can still not be citizens. They can just be U.S. nationals. And everything can be great. But I guess one good thing about living in New England is we don't get crazy natural disasters. We don't get tornadoes, except sometimes Worcester does. We don't have earthquakes. We don't have raging wildfires. Like, we're in a pretty nice spot to be. Bro, and how awesome is global warming? Like, we get to... We get to no, shovel, the, shovel the driveway like one last time per year and then and eventually two last times per year. Like global warming, like, yes, bring that shit on. I feel like we should be investing in property in like Newfoundland, Prince Edward <laughs> Island. Like those yes. are going to be the new vacation destinations. But yeah, but then you're in Canada. though. Like Montana, I think might be the sweet spot. I don't know if Montana is ever going to be the sweet spot. And then I we think we, just... might, we might need to move with Topher and Adam to to Maine. Yeah. Go to some land outside like Casco Bay or Acadia National Park. 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 <laughs> <laughs> park. Yeah, I just, I fucking did it. Where does Boston. Steve go? Okay, we're going to the park. Where's Steve go? Presque Isle, I think it's called. Yeah, all the way up north. Yeah, <laughs> Presque Isle's the spot. But yeah, all right. basically. So let's, let's get back to magic because we, yeah. we took a little bit of a detour. We hung, we hung a left hand turn. All right. Uh, right hand turn. Anyway. So, <laughs> first first place in the format playoff. We already spoiled this, but Samwise GG. We got Jarvis with Rug Delver. Just uh, this was obviously a Rug Delver tournament. We saw I think six, maybe seven Rug Delver decks in the top like sixteen or seventeen decks. Four in the top eight. We already mentioned the threat bases were pretty consistently four Delvers, two to three Goifs one to three hex drinkers and two to three dreadhorde arcanists and and uh one to two true names it sort of settled between that like no bad cards list and just incorporating hex drinker now yeah and, and i think i think this is like one of those decks where it's fine to actually just take like the aggregate deck list yes. like look at the averages between all of these and you're you're gonna be okay because the deck is just that solid yeah and like even you know this is something that that I think about a lot. Like even if you're wrong, you can be right. You know, like 
even if the the best list, let's say, is you know playing three true names, but you play and one, one true name, hex drinker, and, and you have a two two split, it's close enough. And, but then you just happen to draw your one true name every game. You know what I mean? Like you, you're not just putting four Delvers and three Tarmogoyfs and two Dreador Arcanists and one true name in your deck doesn't mean you're going to draw them in that proportion exactly every game. You know. That's true. So like. Who knows what what threats these people drew the most? What what was the best? You know what I'm saying? Like basically, they all kind of function like the aggregate list, in my opinion. Okay, I can get behind that. So, yeah, the other decks that we should mention in the top eight, we had Grixis Delver played by Bozo, Agro Loam played by Osmandius, uh, Blue White Red Snow Control played by Alan, which I think is uh. Is like the terminus list miracles list, right? But yeah, it's terminus list. It has verdict. It's just blue white red control. Yeah, and it's actually playing two uh, sinkholes. No, sorry, two magmatic yeah. sinkholes, not the actual card sinkhole. Yeah, and a Dovin's veto main. It's the sort of just red white mentor deck. Yeah, I mean, this is basically if you swap the sinkholes with uh, terminus, it would just be miracles, right? Yep. So it's pretty close to Miracles, just not Terminus anymore. So yeah, we've got no Terminus in this in this top sixteen. But the other deck in the top eight would be Slow Depths, played by Andy Wilson. And yeah, this is really sort of what we expect out of this meta. There's a little less depths, you know, no Hogak in this top eight, and no chalice, really. Is is the the big difference between what we think of the meta game now and mm-hmm. what we see in this top eight? Yeah. Now, Eric Eric played Infect and finished fourteenth. But could you could you see yourself playing Infect in a meta like this with Renin Six and Plague Engineers and all of those things running around? Well, like, you know, it, t- it takes some balls to sleeve that up. Yeah, for sure. And this was like a Ren Infect, and I I thought about this a little bit, but like. I t- just looked at his list for the first time, and there's no basics at all in this list. Like, not even a, a basic forest to... Yeah, well, you when know, you make the fetch. decision to splash a different color, you need to, you need to shave somewhere. Yeah. So. If it's not white, right? Because your nobles sort of support that that white plan already. Okay, but. right, yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess I can see how they got there, but this is, uh, this is tough, you know? And... Ren does let you regrow lands that get wasted and, and keep putting in cloth nexuses on the board. And you only have to play one Pendle Haven, and once you find it, you'll keep having access to it. Like, there's a lot of great reasons to play Ren in this deck, but really, I, I'm totally on board with what you said to start. Is I just wouldn't want to be playing those, those X1 creatures as my win cons right now. And it's right. not like, it's not like Infect has this sort of backup plan i mean it is nice if you do make a red emblem to just have unlimited fucking become immense or whatever but or or just being able to recur your ink moth nexus yeah that, yeah I, that's that's what i like the most out of having red in that list but yeah exactly but like it's not like you have a lightning bolt when you make your red emblem for to to sort of have a what's the word have a certainty to end the game why, why am i blanking on this word right but like you don't have that in Infect, you just have a bunch of pump spells. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really not terribly sold on that. But 
I'm sure you catch a lot of people off guard, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a deck that we haven't really seen in the meta in quite like a long time. It's not like people are sideboarding fourth ball right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then other than that, we've got Bryant playing Tass, obviously. We've got two blue-black shadow lists. Uh, this is Mahegan and Anarchist Aid. And then Doomblade playing Tess and Kobe MTG holding the torch for Death and Taxes. Other than the Miracles deck, the only white cards that we see in this top 16. How would you feel playing a 16-man tournament against these decks with Death and Taxes? How would you feel? So, I against all of the rug decks, I haven't played enough of the new matchup. Uh, the rug decks probably have a little bit better of a time dealing with the artifacts out of the um, out of the Death and Taxes deck. I I didn't see shenanigans in any of these rug no, deck sideboards. No. Actually, no. J- did Jarvis have them or Bozo? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I saw Bozo, Bozo had two of them, and that card. Man, having that card played played against you when you're playing equipment and vial is rough. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know enough about the new matchup to determine where I would want to be. But if it was all Delver and Depths, I still think Death and Taxes isn't in a terrible spot. Yeah, I know well, that's true, and they certainly beat the hell out of Blue Black Shadow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the. I mean. I I don't think Blue Black Shadow is going to be a huge part of the metagame going forward. I think we just saw two decks do well. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend playing that deck this weekend. Going back to what you said about Infect, though, I think that the best parts, the the reasons why I would most want to play Infect right now are actually encapsulated by Blue Black Shadow. So maybe that's part of what those people are doing. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like like yep. you, that's like the Infect deck now in, in like a Ren Plague Engineer world. I could see that that line to get to Blue Black Shadow. Yeah, I I think uh, there's also some inevitability with me firing M20 drafts in in a couple minutes, so we might have to wrap this up. We might have to. How many trophies is it so far? I'm stuck on 32, bro. Like I'm I'm thankfully securely on the first page. Like I I think I'm in 17th right now, but. Uh, yeah, uh, it's very frustrating when you. I, I keep going two one, and uh, it's it's very frustrating. But yeah, I'm, I'm over a hundred and fifty leagues, bro. It must suck to just have a winning percentage that high. All right. It's, so anyway, before we wrap, I want to thank everybody because there were so many people that reached out to me when they found out that I was in the hospital. That it really meant a lot to me getting messages and asking if there's anything people could do to help. So there were just so many people that reached out. I wanted to say thank you. It really, really meant a lot. And I know I hadn't been on the air in fuck. Is it on the air? What are we on? Spotify. Spot. Okay. Whatever. No, on what are we on dude? Casting. <laughs> uh, SoundCloud. There we go. <laughs> it has been such a long time since I've actually got to cast. I missed it. So I'm glad that uh, that I got to talk a little bit about Legacy today, even though we have the bonus Brexit content coming in after the intro. <laughs> Fucking hey, bro. I think that, uh, yeah, that, that's really cool that people gave you a shout out. And uh, 
you know, checked in with you, make sure you're okay. I'm glad that you're, you're back. I'm glad that we're back on track. I'm glad that it's a nice moderate temperature here right now. And, this is uh, my favorite weather. Actually, no, 10 degrees cooler. Yeah. When it's like jeans and hoodie, fall football weather with the leaves starting to change. Oh, that's the best. Bro, I got to say, like, the Fahrenheit system is great, but Celsius is so fucking simple. Like, 30 is no shirt, 20 is t-shirt, 10 is hoodie, and 0 is coat. It's like, it's so simple. It's like on a very human scale, right? And like 10 10 is perfect. Then we don't get to use our freedom units. Right. Yeah, no, obviously Fahrenheit's better. I'm just saying, like, 10, 10 is the perfect temperature, right? I Honestly, I'm, I'm undereducated when it comes to Celsius, <laughs> so I don't know whether or not it is. I think 60 degrees is perfect Fahrenheit, so what's 60 in, in Celsius? It's probably, like, 12 or 13, but basically, anytime you can wear shorts and a hoodie, that's, like, that's the dream, right? 60 is 15 degrees Celsius. Yo, how much... How much? 10? 50? All right. So 10 is 50 degrees. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a little That's a little colder than I would like it. Like but it's 60, you, 65. It's got to be chilly. Like you got to have the heat on in your car, you know, shorts and a hoodie. Like that, that's oh, the no. fucking Dude, I pay, I pay for oil heat in my house now. Can't fucking be heating the outside. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> you have a fireplace? Uh, No, but... We uh we have our dryer on the first floor. Nice. There's an updated laundry room, so hopefully, just hopefully pipe that shit up. straight in your living room. Yeah, <laughs> straight like up your wood stove. Straight up, just run the dryer. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, man. I can't right. wait to have a wood stove included. So, where where can people get in touch with you after they listen to the end of this cast and they want to rake you over the coals when it comes to your Brexit thoughts? Oh Jesus Christ. Uh, at Ian18125 on Twitter. And if people want to get in touch with you to laud praise on you for your pro-remain status, how can they do that? My my what? It, it Basically, if they want to give you the globalist salute, how can they do that? Oh, at TSmileyMTG on Twitter. And you can right. email the cast at DeadFormatCast to be angry with me with how my take wasn't hot enough. All right, bro. That's a wrap.